The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. It's really nice to see everybody here. Uh, for those of you I haven't met, my name is Fusho, and I'm an assistant teacher here at Village Zendo. Um, I would have really liked to have been in the Zendo with you in the physical Zendo today, but uh, we're not quite there yet. We're not quite ready with enough hands um, to work out this hybrid scenario. So um, for those of you that are in the, uh, in the city, I just wanted to give a little call out for some additional in-person volunteers if you're able. We could use some help just with our new hybrid setup. And we have a few fun new service positions at the Zendo if you're ready to be back in person, um, whatever, whatever you can do. I'm there two mornings a week and one Sunday a month, and I'm trying to do Zaz and Kai when I can. Um, and I know that the online Sangha has been a real lifesaver. I found it to be that for sure. Uh, but I have to say, I also feel the powerful connection that can't be replaced by sitting together in real life. Um, and speaking of that, I wanted to also take a minute to recognize the crew that's going back to Sing Sing today. Um, we have a Sing Sing Sangha and we have a group of volunteers at Village Zendo that uh, go and sit with them and do a service once a week. But obviously that's been shut down for the last couple of years. And um, it just reopened after some, some stops and starts. So I know the guys up there, I've been talking with them at Sing Sing are really excited. And I know the crew down here is excited to be able to just get back together um, in person. I think they've been particularly isolated up there. So um, speaking of sitting together again in real life, I also know today's the last day uh, for registration. So the last day you can register to join us for our in-person um, retreat um, up at uh, Wisdom House. And if you haven't registered for that, I wanna encourage you to join us as well for the full session or for as many days as you can. It's a good chance to just um, return to sitting together while we turn inwards and resettle after a lot of a tumult, I think, for all of us these last couple of years. And our peaceful dwelling, our Ingo, Summer Ingo, starts on July 25th and ends in the fall, October 30th. But we have some time to do residential retreat um, coming up at the end of July. So. If you can join us, that, that would be wonderful. And I know for a lot of us, it feels like a time that's needed. And we might've heard it a lot, but really now more than ever. I mean, these have been some really difficult times and it does feel like the world's on fire everywhere we look. And uh, it feels very divisive to me. And it can feel like everywhere we look, it's us against them somehow. Um, 
not to mention, you know, whatever might be going on in our own lives, our own stresses with our own families. So it can be easy to think, you know, should I really be doing something like this right now as far as going away, turning off everything? Is this the right thing to do? And I just, um, I do think it's actually more important than ever. Um, there's strong argument to be made that our, our friends and family and, and ourselves and the world needs us to do this right now. And I also wanted to offer a reminder that um, we do have a scholarship fund. So if there's any hesitation around the cost, please know that that shouldn't be something that gets in the way. We have funding to support you if that's, that's something you need. Um, and Enkyo Roshi wrote in her letter about retreat that the, this is a time of introspection, of creativity, clarity, and resolve. So sitting together in person and online and taking time to practice and listening to our own nature. This is our annual practice of restoring and recentering. And our new Shuso, who is our new practice leader, Shugo, Jeff Berman, sent out a wonderful note um, in the email newsletter, and you can also find it on our website under the Summer Ango section. And um, he sent some great questions in his commitment form, which I would encourage everyone to take a look at, even if you can't participate in person or even online. It's just good to take a look at it for regular everyday sitting or wherever your practice might be. And we can all start using them right now. Um, so we learned that our study text uh, selected by Ryotan Roshi is the Komyo Zanmai. It's a it's short essay by Dogen's successor, Kon Ujo. And it's called The Practice of the Treasury of Luminosity. And so, um, you know, this, this question about why sit in retreat right now, Shugo addressed in his letter and, and in regards to our study text. And he wrote, new bouts of violence and intolerance cut through like a knife bringing us back to sadness, uncertainty, and outrage at injustice. It is in this time that we are once again invited to Ango, to clear a space in our lives for peaceful dwelling. But what is peaceful dwelling in a time like this? And what does it mean to sit quietly, removed from society, while the world around us is in turmoil? Um, but Shusa points out that in our life and in the world, something is always about to happen as our lives unfold moment by moment. And when we sit and turn our attention to it, we feel what it is to be alive in this vast, mysterious universe. And it's a universe that spontaneously expresses itself through us. He says, sitting quietly and connecting with this extraordinary experience, we are awake, alive, and ready to engage, interact, and respond. And he quotes a line from William Blake's poem, um, The Auguries of Innocence, which opens with a beautiful invocation of the absolute, which he didn't include, but I went and found it so we can hear the beginning of it. The poem begins like this. 
to see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. At the end of the poem, Blake writes, we are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night when the soul slept in beams of light. And Shuso says, like Avalokiteshvara in the Heart Sutra, Blake directs us to see not with our senses, but through them. We must see through and beyond the realities that are right in front of us to the deeper truths that we share as human beings. This, he thinks, is what Ango is all about. To witness through our full capacities, the true pain and suffering experienced by our friends, family, and all beings. To share in the joy and ecstasy woven throughout the fabric of our lives and to lift up the communities of which we are a part, to immerse ourselves completely in the process of darkness and light. This is how we can show up and be of service in a world that needs our help so dearly. And in my view, this is also an opportunity to look closely at our intentions, at what it is within us that drives us to practice, to take a look at what it is we might be seeking, at our ideas, the stories we might be telling ourselves, and to turn towards the things that we might not wanna look at. So in our study text, The Treasury of Luminosity, Cohen Uja says, I sincerely offer these words of advice to those who wish to truly practice. Just throw body and mind into the great treasury of luminosity and don't look back. Don't try to fabricate enlightenment or hide from delusion. Don't push away the arising of thoughts or crave them. Don't identify. Stably, calmly practice shikantaza, just sitting. Just breathing in, just breathing out. Just so, sitting under the open sky, weightless as a flame. Thus, when someone calls you, you immediately answer. So this is one of the great questions, as I see it, of our lives and of our practice. When someone calls, how do we answer? And you know that person calling might be ourselves. Sometimes we need to listen and respond to ourselves first. Those appropriate responses are always changing. And I think the more we practice, the more we might. Sorry, it's very loud in my apartment. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the trucks. Just wait a minute. Um, okay. I was saying, I think appropriate response. 
always changes. And the more we practice, the more we might be surprised to find out how we immediately answer as things arise in our life. Um, the other night, the way I immediately responded was uh, to somebody who I care about deeply was um, by turning off my phone and not replying <laughs> and not trying to fix the problem or trying to jump through hoops, uh, but by setting a boundary to show I didn't need uh, to be bogged down by that turmoil that was getting thrown at me. Just an example. So Shuga asks us these beautiful questions in the commitment form that we can contemplate during this time of peaceful dwelling. And I thought I'd share some of my own responses to them to get us going. Ko Ujo Zenji says, do not rely on intellectual knowledge. So when we don't rely on intellectual knowledge, what do we rely on? And how will you commit to the practice of not relying on intellectual knowledge during this time? Um, for myself, I'm trying to listen and speak more from my heart. Hard to do these days. But I think the question for me is what happens when I encounter someone I might not agree with? or I might assume has different political beliefs than I do, what happens if I listen to them with my heart or listen with my eyes or see with my ears? What if I can let go of the story of I and me? What if I use my lower chakra right below my belly button? What if I listen that way? It definitely affects my response. Um, it can help me stay present, even if I'd rather turn away or shut down or jump in with my opinion. So his next uh, question is, just breathing in, just breathing out, just so. Breath is the foundation of life and of our practice, yet it is easy to take for granted. Right now, connect with your breath. What do you notice? Someone at the Zendo recently said to me, when we get so busy and our zazen is not as strong in our daily lives, we can move away from it. And we become caught up in this idea of what we think our life is. I find ironically, it's easy to miss our lives when we get too caught up in what we think it's supposed to be. And if we take a minute to breathe in and notice what's in front of us, uh, the whole world can come rushing in. And his last question is, what happens before and after a period of zazen? The study text says, this display of luminosity must not just be something you experience in sitting, but in each step. So Shuso asks, if you bring your awareness to the display of luminosity in each moment of your life, whether on the cushion or off, how do you actualize this practice? And I think for me, it doesn't have to be some giant thing that we do to try to save the world. 
the display of luminosity can shine through in each step we take. You know, I walk around uh, my neighborhood a lot. I've, I've been documenting my neighborhood here in the Lower East Side for a really long time. Uh, and I ride, I ride my bike around and I, I ride city bikes. So I'm very aware of what's happening out on the streets. And definitely uh, I've noticed um, a very tense energy. People are much more wound up, a lot more honking. People are on edge. Uh, you know, I think it's a boiling pot of this stress and trauma during these last two years is really boiling over right now. So we're seeing more violence, um, subway attacks, more homelessness. And I think that we shouldn't discount the effect of being able to walk down the street with awareness. And that's something that our practice can offer us. I think even the ability to notice those who are around us as we pass them, or as we account, encounter them without aggression is really valuable. I think our energy and our actions ripple out in ways that we can't know. And they can be very small actions. It can be the way we compose ourselves step by step. So I encourage you to look at the Shuso's questions um, and see what comes up for yourself. And of course, there's a koan about Dogen's successor, Ko Ejo, who wrote our study text. Um, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about him during this Ango period, but I thought we could talk about the koan. Um, he's really credited for preserving uh, and continuing and spreading the Dharma at Eheji after Dogen died. And some say he's the reason we have the strong practice that we still have today. So here's the koan. Uh, the 52nd ancestor was priest Ehe Ejo. He studied with priest Dogen. And once while asking for instruction, he heard the expression, a single hair pierces many holes and was awakened. That evening he made his bows to Dogen and asked, Irrespective of the single hair, what are the many holes? And Dogen smiled and said, completely pierced. And the master bowed. And the full saying was, a single thought instant is the same as 10,000 years. A single hair pierces many holes. Passing this test is up to you. Surpassing the crowd is up to you. So there's a common misconception that many of us sometimes have, or some people have, that our practice or Zen Buddhism teaches us to be passive and peaceful uh, and unbiased because we're all one and everything is empty, so why bother taking a side? But that is uh, what is falling, that's considered to be falling into the trap of nihilism. And that's only one side of a coin, right, of the coin. And we learn from sitting on our cushions that the absolute doesn't function without the relative, without the holes. And if you've been involved with the village Zendo for any amount of time, you quickly learn that social justice and activism is a strong pillar of our community. Uh, but I think in these challenging times, it can be easy to put pressure on ourselves to take action. And it can feel also very overwhelming. Um, as if what we might do might not make a difference. 
And that's where not relying on intellectual knowledge comes in. The only way I was able to stop relying on my intellectual knowledge uh, during a lot of this political upheaval recently was to get off social media. Um, I had to turn it off. It was making me really, really anxious and stressed out. And I think if we're consumed by what's being blasted out 24 seven, uh, it becomes hard to remember that we can still take care of each other, even if we don't all have the same views. And the question for me is, can I honor myself and my viewpoint without separating myself from all that's around me? It's important to really investigate the many holes. One of the most challenging things I've done or had the opportunity to do um, is to lead filmmaking workshops for military veterans. And it's, I, I think it's helped them. Some of the people who've, who've done it, the military veterans who've told their stories, they make short films um, over a period of a few days. But it's actually helped me in ways I never could have expected. Um, and I think it's very much transformed me. Um, you know, all different types of veterans uh, participate in it. And I've traveled all over the country doing it. So they're, they're young and old, they're from different branches, all different backgrounds. I think it's changed me um, in the way I tend to make assumptions about people. Um, it's helped me realize how powerful offering someone a chance to tell their own story really is. Uh, it's helped me realize I do have something to offer. And I always offer a brief meditation instruction before the workshop and during. And they're, they're pretty open to it. Um, it's also the other film and making instructors that, <laughs> that are really grateful for the meditation. And I've been really affected by a lot of their stories. And we teach, so we teach them basics of storytelling and language of film and some basic techniques. And then we do a big brainstorm session where we simply listen as close as possible while they offer experiences and um, topics that they'd like to shape into a story and tell their, tell their own story. And a lot of them suffer from really serious PTSD um, and bigger themes often arise. And uh, it's a lot about feeling isolated and how hard the transition is when they return from tour of duty. And suicide comes up a lot. And a lot of the themes that emerge are about how important connection with people who've been through something similar can be. You know, and I could say, um, I'm a pacifist. So why would I associate with people who fought in wars or served in the military? Um, I could say, I believe in equal rights for women. So why would I associate with such a male dominated chauvinistic industrial complex? But I, I've, then I'd miss their stories and I would be shutting myself off from our shared human experience. There's advice in the commentary of this koan that complements our study text that says, even for a short time, for a fraction of a second, arouse a determination like a great fire in which not a speck of dust can survive. 
like the great sky to which not even a needle can be attached. Even if it is inconceivable, you will reach a place that cannot be emptied. If you can arouse such a genuine determination, then when that determination becomes strong, everyone will pass completely through. There will not be the slightest difference from what all the Buddhas of past, present, and future realize. Then Master Dogen said, when you apply this determination to the way, a thousand, even 10,000 people will acquire the way. And that is what we have an opportunity to do within our container of this upcoming peaceful dwelling. Our study text says, just practice this just sitting of Shikantaza. Do not waste time. This is the practice place of ordinary mind. This is the complete practice of the treasury of luminosity. This is inconceivable freedom. <clears throat> 